0: Good morning. morning. Wonderful to see you all here today. I just wanted to tell you that 1,859 men, women, and children living in Haiti will have a pair of shoes because of you and what you have done. I think it's. Those shoes were packaged up uh, this past Sunday night, and on Tuesday morning were picked up and headed to Haiti. And so I think that's a wonderful thing. Our theme verse, we started last week, a series on heaven, and our theme verse is on the screen. It's on the back of your bulletin. It's Colossians chapter 3, verse number 1, which says, set your sights on the realities of heaven. I sent out a broadcast early this past week, and I just wanted to thank all of you who just, it seemed like in a moment's time after it went out, I had 100 responses to it. Uh, I was I listed five different things that I asked uh, you to vote upon, which would be the top thing that you wanted to hear about. The first one was what was what is the location of heaven? The second thing is will we have physical bodies? The third thing is is where are the dead now and what are they doing? The fourth one was, is there rewards in heaven? And the last one is what's going to happen to this planet that we live on? What's going to happen to earth in the future? And so I was just immediately got all these wonderful responses back. I just want to say thank you to you because your feedback actually is very, very important to us. We want to try as best we can to answer questions that are being asked, not questions that are not being asked, if that makes sense. And so when you give us your feedback, it's helpful. There was a clear number one. I mean, it wasn't even close. We got 10 times the amount of responses or votes for question number three as opposed to the second most chosen topic, voted on topic, and that is what we're going to talk about today. Where are the dead and what are the dead doing? So we're going to talk about that, and I also want to say before I start, I really appreciated some of the additional commentary that many of you uh, all gave me. Rather than just picking a number, you also gave me a. Few little thoughts, some comments, some whatever, and that was that was um, that was great. Uh, one person a little frustrated about the uh, heaven is going to be like Canada without Canadians. That I did not say, but was <laughs> said on the video clip, and they just wanted to make clear that there will be Canadians in heaven. <laughs> period. So uh, wanted to say that, and uh, one person had a question about Harley Davis is in heaven or what. Well, Somebody said, yeah, okay. Uh, will there be pets in heaven? Another person wanted to be able to dunk the basketball in heaven. They also just wanted that to be registered there. Uh, this was a, a really a good one. I think I enjoyed this one actually the most. One person didn't see it as options that I was asking to be voted upon. They saw it as I was giving them five questions, and they were going to give me the answer. And so... Um, Question number one was this. I actually wrote this down here. Question number one was, what's the location of heaven? They wrote back, I can't tell you I've been sworn to secrecy. Uh, only, only the pure are allowed to know that answer. <laughs> question two, physical bodies in heaven? They just wrote no. Uh, question three, what are the dead doing? That, it said, they said, some are in heaven and others are trying to earn their way in. Uh, question number four, are there going to be rewards in heaven? They said, heaven is the reward. And the final question is what's going to happen to this planet. And they said, once we're gone, it's going to be recycled. So <laughs> it must be a really, you know, environmentally conscious person. They did add one last, uh, blurb at the end of it, which I thought was, uh, very nice of them. They said, if you have any more questions, please let me know. I have all the answers. <laughs> I was, I thought that was exceptional. Uh, i do want to clear up one thing i got an email from one person uh last week i i don't know who sent it it was from one of those things you can't tell the sender or whatever anyway and they what they heard me saying last week so really this message is a carryover from last week so if you haven't heard last week you can go right on our website and just listen to it it probably would help you to put this whole thing in context but they what they thought they heard me saying was that heaven's going to be more the same of what we have here on earth it's just going to continue and for them that thought was very depressing because um, it seems as if there was probably some hurt and pain and stuff in this world. So here I want to be crystal clear. Uh, when Jesus talks about heaven, he talks about it in familiar terms, like there's going to be some familiarity. So here's the only fill in the blank that I have for you today, all right? Heaven will be familiar, but definitely not the same. So for some reason, last week anybody else heard me saying that. I want to be total, total clear. It'll be familiar, but definitely not the same. The Bible says that heaven will be a place where there's no more death, there's no more crying, there's no more mourning, there's no more pain. In other words, if, if you could take all of the problems that you experience on this planet and all the problems that you even know about on this planet, every single thing, and you just extracted it from this earth and you took it all out. Now, we're, we're at least at a starting point to start talking about what heaven's going to be like. Does that make sense? I hope that makes sense. Familiar, nowhere near the same. There's no sin. There's no sh- All that is pulled out. So there's going to be nothing to be like psh, depressed and hurt about. All right. I just want to say that. All right. Derek already said this, that you can send your text messages. So if you have your phone and you want to silence your phone now that's always a helpful thing to do but the uh, number is right there so as i talk we realize that you know probably as you know i'm talking about this maybe immediately right on the spot the question just text it derek's going to get the text he's going to write it down we're going to save 10 minutes at the end and i don't have all the answers let me say that now but we're going to do our best to try to just talk this thing through okay All right. Wonderful. Before I go any further, let's just stop and ask God to please help us today as we talk about heaven and hell. Heavenly Father, I just thank you, God, that you have prepared a place so awesome like heaven that you described to us. We know very uh, little about it, but the little that we do know sounds incredible. And uh, Lord, I just pray that you would be with us this morning and that you would speak to us and guide us through your word. In Jesus' name, Amen. Okay, uh, hey Doug, could you do me a favor? Could you bring that whiteboard over here? Uh, we're gonna. This is gonna be slightly teachy this morning, so I just wanted to warn you. Okay, it's gonna be slightly uh, teachy this morning. I want to go through some things that can. Anyway, thank you very much. How about a hand for Doug right there? Good man. Good man. I like the shorts there too. Excellent. All right, so. When we talk about people uh, dying, somebody dies, we say, well, they've gone to heaven or they've gone to hell, right? So they go one of two places. Now, according to the Bible, heaven is a very real place. I think the numbers in America are something like 90 plus percent of the people believe in heaven and about 50 percent of Americans believe in hell. Well, Jesus was 100 percent on believing in hell. He really believed in a place called hell. Matter of fact, Jesus Christ talked more about hell than anybody else in the Bible did. So I talked about it a lot. Now, when he talked about it, he used this word called Gehenna. And this is actually going to be important. It's a G-E-H-E-N-N-A, Gehenna. Gehenna is actually a, a a location outside of Jerusalem. It was a trash dump outside of Jerusalem in Jesus' day, also called the Valley of Hinnom, H-I-N-N-O-M. And it was commonly referred to as hell. It was the figurative equivalent to hell, this word here, Gehenna. So it's this trash dump where all the trash was taken or the the bodies of dead animals were taken and a fire constantly burned there. And they were thrown in the fire there in Gehenna. Now, thousands of years before Christ's time, uh, people that worship this god called Baal, B-A-A-L, would take their children to Gehenna, the valley of Hinnom, and they would sacrifice their children in the fires of Gehenna. And so when Jesus Christ talks about hell, this is important, he uses the word Gehenna. It's very important. He would talk about it, he'd say hell. All right, now he lets us know that it is a place to really, really, really be avoided. Uh, He does that in a number of places. Let me give you one. I think he makes the point pretty clear in Matthew chapter 5. He says, if your right eye causes you to sin, you should gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than your whole body be thrown into hell. Now, wow. I mean, think about that, everybody. He's saying it's better for you to go around gouging out your eyes and cutting your hands off than to be sent to hell. He's trying to get he's trying to get our attention, trying to make a point. Hell is a place to be avoided at all costs. The sad reality is, is that the Bible indicates that hell will not be empty. And when I mean empty, there will be people there. There will be people there. But for now, it seems as if hell is completely empty. More on that in just a moment. God did not build hell for people, though people will go. Matthew 25, 41, Jesus Christ speaking, he says, the eternal fire, speaking of hell, was prepared or built, was prepared or built for the devil and his Angels. Now, I want to try to clear up some confusion here. Okay, so this is Gehenna. When Jesus Christ talks about hell, he's talking about this right here. All right? Sometimes it becomes confused with this. Many people think these two things, that's a D, Hades, H-A-D-E-S, Hades. Hades and Gehenna are not the same place. Uh, I, for much of my life, thought that these two places, hell, Hades, Gehenna, all this was, one, and one, it was all the same place, just a different name for all the same place. It's not. There is a place called Hades which is called the abode or the place of the dead, and it is not hell. It's clearly in the Scriptures not hell. Jesus Christ never mixes the two together. They're two completely different places. All right? When Jesus, in a very, very important moment in Matthew chapter 16, he's talking to his disciples. This is one of the most important times in his life that he had with his disciples. He says, who do people say I am? And they started giving all these responses. And he says, okay, who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? And Peter responds back by saying this. He says, you are the Christ. You're the son of living God. In other words, he says, you're the Messiah. You're the long awaited Messiah who's come. You know, to set us free and to bring salvation. You know, that's that's all encapsulated in him saying that. And then Jesus responds back to Peter and saying, You know, it's on that confession, Peter, that I am going to build my church. And then, and I put it on your outline, he says this, Matthew 16, 18. And the gates of Hades, not hell. Not not hell. So I was often taught that the gates of hell will not overcome it. But That's not the word that Jesus Christ uses. He's very specific. He says, not the gates of Hades, the place of death where all those who die go to. Everybody goes to Hades. The gates of Hades will not overcome it. So there's some gates there that will hold back. And he said, won't overcome it. Now, look at this. Revelation 1, verse number 18. Jesus Christ speaking after his death on the cross and his resurrection, he says this about those gates and about keys to that gate. He says, I am the living one. I was dead and behold, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys to death and Hades. In other words, Jesus Christ is saying, okay, I have got the keys. Everybody that dies goes into Hades. And he's now saying, I have got the keys to those gates, to open those gates and to let people out. That's very important. Hades has two sides to it. Alright? Don't get confused. This is it's not that it's not that confusing. It has two sides to it. Hades does. Alright? Not hell. Let's try to mark us through here. Alright. Hades has a punishment portion to it. I know you're not going to be able to read it, but I'm still going to put it up there because my handwriting's terrible, so don't don't even tell me. I already know it. It's a, it's a fact. Okay? A paradise portion and a punishment uh portion to it. Uh it was referred to, the paradise portion was referred to as Abraham's bosom by the Jewish people. And in Luke chapter 16, in the story of the rich man and Lazarus, you could read through that story. There's some... There's uh, some controversy of whether or not that's a parable or a real story. There's some real indication that it's not a parable because Jesus Christ, I think, never used a person's name when he told a parable. And in that story, he uses the name Lazarus, which was not his friend that he raised from the dead, but another Lazarus who was actually a very poor man and was a beggar at a rich man's gate. And the rich man goes to the punishment side, of Hades, and the beggar Lazarus goes to the paradise portion. You can read about that, but there 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 appears strong evidence that there is two portions to this place of the dead, a punishment side and a paradise side. I'm going to try to, and you can text your messages, but I'm going to see if I can't clear up those two things for you real quick. All right, for all those, all right, for all those who preceded the cross of Jesus Christ, you know what was happening to them. All, right. all of those who were bound for heaven because of their faith in god would go to this paradise portion all those who rejected god did not have faith in god would go to this punishment portion of hades jesus christ says in john 14 he says no one comes to the father except through me nobody comes to." so what was happening to people before jesus christ existed before you know bc before christ before on the cross so everybody would go to this hades portion here jesus tells The thief on the cross in Luke 23, he says, I tell you the truth, today you'll be with me in paradise. So let's set the scene. So there's three crosses up on that hill. Jesus Christ is hanging in the middle. He's got one thief on his one side who's like shouting curses at him. He's got a thief over here who says, you know, can you remember me when you come into your kingdom? And he's rebuking the other thief on the other side who's cursing him. This thief is. And Jesus Christ says to that thief, he says, today you'll be with me in paradise, paradise, here, paradise, because Jesus Christ did not go to heaven when he died, in between the time when he died and he was resurrected on Easter Sunday morning. On Easter Sunday morning, John chapter 20, Jesus Christ meets Mary Magdalene. Just been resurrected from the dead, stones rolled away. Jesus comes out. Mary sees him. She's crying, oh my goodness, she's hanging on. I can't believe it. You're alive. And he says, Look, this is. Don't, don't keep hanging on to me because I haven't returned to the Father yet. Where's the Father? The Father's in heaven. I haven't been to heaven yet is what he's saying. I have not been there. So where he been hanging out Friday night, Saturday, and Sunday? where had he been hanging out? Where'd he be hanging? He's hanging out right here in Hades where he went down there and got the keys apparently to the place and now he can open the gates. So when he went down there, he gets a hold of the keys because now he, according to, he's overcome death. He's overcome death, victory over death. So now he's going to let everybody out who is in the paradise portion of Hades. Other people now will just continue to go who've rejected God and faith in their life will continue to go to the punishment portion. Now, not only does he let them out and then they go straight to heaven, and from this point on, anybody who dies goes straight to heaven, according to Philippians 1.23, 2 Corinthians 5.8, boom, straight, straight shot. For those who have faith in God, those who are followers of Jesus Christ, boom, sh- Straight up, straight shot, bypass Hades. That's, that's all done with. Not only does he let those people out in there, you know, all the people like Abraham and Sarah and Moses and Ruth and right, all those people from the Old Testament who could not come to the Father except by him. But he lets some people out, not just to go back to heaven, he sends them back to earth. Matthew chapter 27. Let's read it. Now, this isn't a lot of people, but some people do. Okay? It says the tombs broke open and the bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. Now, we don't know how. I mean, did they die yesterday? Did they die a thousand years ago? Don't know. They were died and they're raised to life. They came out of the tombs and after Jesus' resurrection, they went into the holy city, speaking of Jerusalem, and appeared to many people. In the first service, we've got a lot of questions on this. So if you have a text it, I hope that's you die. Everybody used to at one point went straight to Hades. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you put your faith in God, now you bypass the paradise portion of Hades, you get the straight shot to heaven. Everybody else uh, goes to the punishment portion of Hades, and there's nobody in hell. Now, all right, someday in the future, Jesus Christ will judge all of those who are in the punishment portion of Hades. And before I talk more about that, I want to just take a quick time out and say this. God, Jesus, doesn't want anybody to go to hell. Jesus Christ is not sending people to hell and does not desire anybody to go to hell. I want to read Revelation 20 verses 14 to 15 that talks about this future judgment and I want to make a few comments about hell if I can. It says, Then death and Hades, which is the same thing, death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. What is this book of life? We talked a little bit about it last week. Um, Jesus' day, you'd have these cities, you'd have the big walls around the city, and you'd have a gate. And many times, particularly at night, there'd be a person standing there with a book. Unless you had your name in the book, you couldn't get in. What they were trying to do is control who was coming and going because they didn't want just you know thieves to be coming in and stealing things, so they would control who's coming in and out of the city. And so he uses this same reference to a book that you have to make a ref- you have to make a reservation in that book in order to get in. All right. At times, everybody, the Christian church has misrepresented Jesus Christ arrogantly telling people that they're going to go to hell. You're going to burn in hell. You better turn or you are going to burn. Almost as if there's some kind of sick, arrogant, prideful satisfaction ever telling people where they're going to go. I don't see Jesus Christ doing that in the scriptures, and I think that's completely out of his character. The church in the past through church history has used hell to scare people. Now listen, I love a good hellfire and brimstone every now and then, uh, you know, sermon every now That's great. I mean, it's wonderful. Not as a daily diet, okay, but, you know, every now and then a good charge up. Okay. All right. But this constant with the hellfire and brimstone is out, completely out of the character of Jesus Christ. And the church has misrepresented Jesus, in my opinion, in my opinion. And I know we're talking about very sensitive issues here. But in my opinion, has misrepresented over the years to scare people, to control people, to get people to give or to get people to serve. You're going to go to hell. The Reformation had so much to do with this. Okay? And it's wrong. Now, I get asked these kind of questions all the time. So I'm going to let you into my world. Maybe, you're, maybe you get these same questions. Okay, So I get questions like this. So, John, what about people who have never, ever even heard the name of Jesus Christ? And then I get ready to answer. And before I do, immediately they want to add something to that. Because I've heard people say they're going straight to hell. And that's not fair, and I want nothing to do with Jesus Christ because of it. Nothing to do. Get that Jesus away from me because everybody knows that's completely unfair. If you've never heard his name, how can you even do anything with him? All right. Jesus tells us, and I, I put this on your outline, in John chapter 5, verse number 30. And there's many other places that we could talk about this, everybody. But Jesus Christ, who is the judge of this, haha, okay? See, when, when 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 that judgment day comes for all of us, comes for you and me, here's the good news. It's not going to be that person who's telling you that that person's going to hell, blah, blah, that's going to sit on that throne. And it's not going to be me sitting on that throne. And it's not going to be you sitting on that throne making those judgment calls. Jesus Christ says, I am the just judge. So the immediate response that I give to every single person who would ask me a question like that say you have nothing to worry about open your heart to jesus christ he is the just judge he knows exactly what to do thank god no fallible human being has to make those kinds of calls he is the just they say well wait 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 john what about those people who grew up maybe in a church and jesus christ was misrepresented to them Like all kinds of stuff was said to them about Jesus, and it hurt them, and it drove them. What about them? I said, Jesus Christ is the just. They said, John, what about people who've been abused by the church? What about people who've been hurt by the church physically, emotionally? What about people who've been lied to by the church or been tried to control? I say, Jesus Christ. They said, you know, those people ran from Jesus Christ because of what some other Christian said about you and they ran as fast as they could go they're headed to hell right i said jesus christ the just judge i can't tell you how strongly i believe about that now you want to ask me do i think that jesus christ is the way the truth and life 100 percent everybody if you're confused right now i want to tell you 100 percent jesus christ is the way the truth and the life and jesus christ is also the just judge and he will do the right thing. For people who are so hopped up wanting to send people to hell, just tell them they're going to go to hell or something. I don't know. But <laughs> this is, it's a little wacky. That's all I'm going to say about that. And I'm sorry if that doesn't make sense. Uh, the good news is, is that you and I sit here this morning, okay, and some of us, I know, have been hurt by church. Some of us have been offended and offended by other Christians who said they were speaking in the name of Jesus Christ. But the good news is, OK, with all that hurt and pain aside for just one second, we all sit here this morning and we can know the truth that Jesus Christ took our place on that cross because he loves us so much. He paid our penalty. And by the grace of Jesus Christ, he offers us heaven. He offers it to us as a gift, but we also have a responsibility to respond to him. We just can't sit there with our hands behind our back. We have this responsibility that we have to then respond to the gift and take the gift from him. That's the good news, and that also is a responsibility on our parts that we need to make sure that we individually make it clear with God where we stand. The Bible says, choose this day who you'll serve. And he offers us nothing but love in his grace. Okay, we're going to switch gears. As exciting as all that is, we are going to switch gears. What are people in heaven doing now? What are people in heaven doing now? The Bible says they're laughing, they're singing, they're making music. It even says they're partying, they're cheering. And here's something I really want to focus on as I conclude this out. They have awareness They have awareness in heaven of what is going on here on earth. Hebrews 12, 1. Right after Hebrews 11, this great chapter, which we call faith's hall of fame, people who just were followers of God, who are listed all through there. Then Hebrews 12 starts off this way. Therefore, Since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses, let me describe as best I can what I think is being said here. Because it's talking about this huge crowd of witnesses or people that are in heaven. This cloud, this crowd is surrounding. It is like earth, everybody. Earth is like center court at the final four. All right. It's like earth is center court. And in the stands surrounding that are all the people who are in heaven today. All those people who one day they had been in the paradise portion of Hades, and all those who received Jesus Christ after the cross and went straight to heaven—all of them now are in heaven, and they're like in the stands. And what are they doing? What are you doing if you're at a basketball game? Well, if you're a fan of basketball, right? You're not out in the concourse getting some French fries. If you're like me, you're like totally focused on what's going on on center court, and that—that is the. That is the sentiment of what Hebrews 12 is telling us, that they're watching and they're aware of what's going on down here on planet Earth. It's center stage. Matthew 17. We brought it up last week. So we've got Jesus Christ just before he goes to the cross. He goes up on this high mountain that you see all of Israel, and he's got Peter, James, and John with him. And they go up there, and all of a sudden, the glory of God falls upon the mountain, and Elijah and Moses, who had passed on many years before, Elijah hadn't, but Moses had, All right, But Elijah was, he was taken up to heaven, all right? So I know somebody's going to nail me on that. Elijah never died. Okay, I know he never died. All right. Okay, so they come and they show up, all right? They come and they show up. And it seems as if, I, I don't know what they were talking about. I would love to know what they were talking about. But if you read into the story, everybody, don't you get the sentiment of it that what's going on is they're talking to Jesus before he goes to the cross. And it seems as if they're fully aware of the unfolding drama in the life of Jesus Christ. And they're talking to him. They're encouraging him. I don't know what they're doing. And maybe they're talking about what's happened in his past for the past three years and what's getting ready to happen to him. First Samuel 28, Saul and the witch at Endor. So God said, get all the witches out. I want to be clear. Timeout, Witches. Uh, you know, if you like going to see witches, uh, if you like going to—I'm uh, joking. If you like, uh, don't maybe uh, palm readers and stuff like that. This is—I'm not condoning that. This—that in the scripture, what I'm getting ready to say is not condoning that either. All right. Saul was desperate. Saul had rejected God in his life. Samuel, who was the prophet who guided him for so many years, was now dead and gone, and he was desperate because he's facing the Philistines, I'm getting ready to have a huge battle. All right. So he needed advice from Samuel. He says, "I need a witch." And they say, Saul, you got rid of all the witches. Remember, God told you to get them all, and You got rid of them. He says, yes, but, you know, is there one somewhere? And he says, "Yeah." yeah, there's one down in this city called Endor. So they go to this witch at Endor, right? And he says to the witch, he says, I want you to bring up for me the prophet Samuel. Well, for whatever reason, God, Samuel's down in the paradise portion of Hades. God says, okay, Samuel, go ahead go back. He goes back and he talks to Saul with full knowledge, full awareness of what had been happening in his life. He wasn't unaware. He wasn't clueless. He had been he knew he'd been watching. He says, you've been this and this and this and this. And then he gives him a piece of information about the future. He says, tomorrow, you and your sons will die in battle against the Philistines. That's news that Saul did not want to hear. Revelation chapter 19. We're told that people in heaven are cheering when they see God do something great on earth. Luke chapter 15. Twice in Luke chapter 15, it says, they'll be rejoicing in the presence of the angels. Who's doing the rejoicing? The angels? Maybe, but it almost makes you think or understand they'll be rejoicing in the presence of the angels when one person turns their life over to God. Who's doing the rejoicing? Seems like people. People in heaven are doing the rejoicing, okay? Finally, Revelation chapter six. So I'm gonna read the scripture and then just talk about it. Uh, But uh, well, let me say something first before I read it so it's talking about people who have been martyred for their faith in Jesus Christ and they're in heaven and John sees them in heaven and he writes this. He said, I saw under the altar, the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and the testimony they had maintained. Now check this out, everybody. They called out. So people in heaven, they call out to God. They ask a question. A question is a desire for information, and it's also a prayer. When you talk to God and you ask a question, it's also a prayer. They call out in a loud voice How long, sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood? Then each of them was given a white robe, and they were told to wait just a little bit longer. That's fascinating. It really seems as if they're aware of what's going on on earth. They knew what happened to them. They were martyred. They were treated unjustly for their faith in Jesus Christ. And they're saying, when they're looking down and saying, when, God, are you going to bring about justice? Now, here's what I want to say to you in conclusion before we get to the text messages. This room is filled with people who have been treated unjustly. We have suffered some kind of injustice. You've been wronged. You've been falsely accused. You've been hurt. You've been lied about. Something's been done wrong to you. The Bible tells us in the book of Amos that God's justice one day will roll down like mighty waters. And I want you to know if you are here today and you're wondering, God, when, how long? And you join those martyrs up in heaven who had their blood shed unjustly, who were around the throne of God saying, God, how much longer? How much longer? Their day and your day is coming. God is a God of justice. He sees everything. And He will right every wrong. And that is our hope. And it's a wonderful hope to have. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank You, God, for Your Word. I thank You, Lord, that we can trust in You, that You are a just judge. I thank You, God, that You will bring about justice, that You will right every wrong. I just really want to lift up here Right now, for those in this room who are hurting over some injustice, maybe some of it isn't deep, but others of us maybe in this room. The injustice has been extremely deep and extremely painful. And we're just sitting here today wondering, God, when, how much longer. I thank you, God, for your words that tell us there is coming a day of justice that you will right every wrong and you will lift us up. I thank you, Lord, that we can put our trust and our hope in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay. Uh, Derek's going to come. I just want to say before he starts firing the questions away, I don't have every answer on uh, this subject. Uh, I wish I could just, like, email back and forth that guy that sent me the the email because then we could get the answers right away, but we're going to do our best. All right? Go ahead, Derek. (laughs)
1: I just have to say, uh, 11 o'clock service is much more text-heavy than 9.30, so Ooh, you really? guys win, win the battle on that oh, one. okay. Um, okay, so who built hell, God or Satan? Uh, God did. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> why, why do we use the language?
0: Uh, Jesus says that, Matthew 25, 41. It was prepared, God prepared it for
1: the devil and his angels. Sorry, Matthew 25, 41. Okay, thank you. Um, Why do we say going down to hell? Is it really physically down? I don't know. Sounds better
0: to say it that way. Um, you know, we just think of up and down, I guess. And I don't know. But it's not
1: biblically. I, I have no idea. I have no idea. Okay. Could be um, an answer there. I don't know what it is. Okay, so we got a lot of texts on this whole Hades thing. Yeah. And so. Just kind of want to want to do some clarifying if we could. So you're saying that everyone goes to Hades. Everyone goes to Hades at, when they die. Okay, pre, pre-Jesus Christ's cross, pre-the
0: cross of Jesus Christ, every single person, pre-the cross of Jesus Christ, every single person went to Hades. Hades is not hell. Hades is not hell. After the cross of Jesus Christ, all those who have faith in God, faith in Jesus Christ, who the just judge judges that way, he makes that judgment, they go immediately to the paradise portion. There's no Hades, nothing, bam, straight up to heaven. Okay? But all those who are not, they go to the punishment portion of Hades, and according to Revelation chapter 20, they await the day of this second, this second, this judgment that is to come, this second death in which then Hades is dumped into hell.
1: Okay, so all those who... Reject God, don't believe in Christ. They're in the punishment portion of Hades, yeah. waiting for that final judgment Correct. that is yet to come. Correct. Okay, so that's where they are right now. Yes. Uh, we had a question: Is there any hope for those people who are currently in the punishment side of Hades, awaiting that final judgment?
0: Well, I know that's talked about. You know, sometimes um, I think in the first service we got a question about purgatory, we and have I a think a
1: couple questions about purgatory here.
0: Okay. okay. So. Um, no, there's Hebrews 9:27 says we die once, then we face the judgment. Okay. Uh, Luke chapter 16, this story, whether it's a parable or it's a real story or whatever, that would not indicate that the rich man who was in the punishment portion of Hades that he could get out, though he wanted to, uh, and he, 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 couldn't, he could not get out. So from scripture, there is zero indication that we die and then we can, you know, have another shot at it we can make some right some wrongs but, you know this is this is our time this is our time now to make our decisions and i think that's why the bible encourages us in many different places today is the day of your salvation choose this day who you will serve things like that it's it's now it's it's today it's it's today that we make those decisions we don't make decisions in haiti
1: okay um so for for those who um believe in christ and they go you know they go straight to heaven when they die how does the whole judgment thing come in for them is there like do they will they face a before a judge or something like that or
0: well i think that they've already been judged on their faith though some will say that there is another that there's two judgments still to come even for them that there will be a judgment on on their faith though i think that that's already happened in my Opinion, though i could be wrong but uh then there's a later judgment that, that's a judgment of rewards and i know some people really want to hear about rewards and i'm not going to talk about that now but there is this because the bible does talk a lot a lot about rewards in heaven not that there's different levels of heaven there's like a vip section and people on the you know kind of in the cheap seats or whatever not that but there is but there also indicates that that there are rewards in in hell and it might rewards in a bad way for people who have done really heinous things, that they will be judged on what they did. And for people, like, look, Mother Teresa and I, we, you know, there's going to this massive gap. Uh, that's all I'm saying. And not like I'm going to be up there and my lip's going to be hanging and saying, oh, gosh, she got so much more than I do. You know that. But you, you know you know, what I'm saying? There will not only be that competition. But there will. See, anyway, we'll do that later. Okay. Did, that, did that make sense? Did yeah. I answer your question?
1: Yep. Thank you. It wasn't my question, but yes. Okay. Okay. Um, so how long is someone in the punishment side of Hades? How long they're in there that, now? And,
0: that's, God's, God's making that decision. I mean, when he, when he hits the go button, when he says, okay, the time has come. When, I, when he hits it and says, time's come, it's coming back.
1: Okay. I want to switch over to the heaven side. We had a lot of questions on that side too. Okay. So, um, so we, you talked about how uh, you know, people in heaven are aware of what's going on here on the earth. So, uh, do the people in heaven miss us? Miss us who are we're still here. Do they miss us?
0: You have to ask them that. I don't know. Um, they well, might, me, might, me, might be me, glad to be out of some of our lives. Uh, I don't know. Do they miss us? Uh, well,
1: let me, let, me, let me rephrase it another way. If, you never know. If, if, I'm just if, saying. If, if folks in heaven are aware of what's going on on the earth, yeah. Then, um, and they see maybe all this suffering or they see stuff that we're doing, that's just, man, that just grieves their heart. How, yeah. So, how, But how could there be no sorrow, no pain, no tears if they're seeing what's going on?
0: That is, it's actually a very confusing thing, and there's lots of talk and there's lots of imagination, and that's all we can do. We can string together the facts that we know, the clues that we have, and then we can imagine. And some people do a lot of imagination and say, well, okay, if, if then I can see what's going on down on earth and I can see those close to me and I can see the suffering and pain, how can heaven be a place without pain because then I'm hurting for what's going on? You know what, and there's no good, clear, wonderful answer to that. There does seem to be awareness, but there does not but it's not a place of pain, but so there's somehow there's some way of dealing with that which I do not understand. It's the best I can do. I thought about that one too. I don't have a good answer. Um,
1: is there free will in heaven?
0: Well, heaven, heaven is a place of love, and where there is love, there has to be free will. so yes, there's free will in heaven.
1: Someone was wondering, you know, why wouldn't someone who is in heaven and saw all this, you know, maybe their loved ones making poor decisions, what they would want to come down and, you know, help out or, you know, whatever. And if they had free will, they could do that. Am I making sense? It wasn't my question. Don't look at me like that. man. One of these guys.
0: I was trying to figure out what to say to that, you know. Uh, I wasn't going in that direction when you talked about free will because normally the person says free will in heaven, free will on earth. People can choose the wrong on earth. Can't they choose the wrong in heaven? Then what happens then? So there is you've got to be free will in heaven because it's a place of love. But some dynamic has obviously changed in some major way um, that that the same thing is not going to happen in heaven that has happened here on earth. We'll get more into that in the weeks to come. but. Okay, thank you.
1: Um, so there's some people out there who claim that they can talk to the dead, that they have talked to the dead and actually will bring back a message that kind of almost like proves at least to certain people that they're talking to the dead and don't worry if we're not, we're not getting too crazy here, but, uh, Does the Bible say anything about that? Does the Bible talk anything about being able to communicate, people here on earth being able to communicate with the dead? Well, other than the Bible indicating that you shouldn't have anything to do
0: with that kind of stuff, the seances or anything like that, and I think in the case of what I was trying to say earlier with Saul and the witch of Endor, that God says that's clearly wrong, don't have anything to do that. So he's not condoning, he's not condoning, uh, you know, what Saul has done, though even he sends back Samuel to make it right and some people might even question was that really Sam or whatever but I mean it seems as if uh, it was and he really he, I mean he really he seemed to speak the truth um, but can they speak to the dead I, you know we live in a we live in a world that the Bible talks about is filled with all kinds of spirits and spiritual forces. And if you peeled back what we see in the natural, what would we really see? I mean, look, the Bible talk, doesn't talk about it in a hocus pocus way. There's a demon behind every bush, goofy stuff like that. But there is a, 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 a world of angels and of demons. Um, I don't know. I haven't talked to the dead myself, so I don't know.
1: Um, you mentioned this is the last question. You mentioned that people have never heard about Jesus, but w- uh, where do people who worship God but not Jesus go?
0: Well, there you know there again, and the kind of the what I was trying to say by that whole thing is traditional answer. Say, well, what about people who are followers of God but they reject Jesus Christ? You know what happens? And you know, the way I was the way I was raised is, is you you I mean you would immediately respond, well, they're going to hell. Um, and here's and here, here's and my wife and I have wonderful conversations about this all the time. To me, it's crystal clear. But for for her side, she says you're crazy. So anyway, you guys can make that decision. I believe I'm going to try to say this dead on if I can. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and life. He is the Messiah. He is the way, the only way to the Father. That's the good news. And that's the good news that Jesus Christ in Matthew 28 says, go out and phew, tell the world that good news. There is a Messiah and it's not, he it didn't say go tell them bad news, go out and tell everybody they're going to hell. He says, go out and tell them the good news, the good news about that. And I a hundred percent full on board believe that bam, that's where I stand. Now the next logical step then is for me to step over here and say, so if you're not on Jesus's team, you know, whoo, bye-bye, right? But what I'm saying is this. Some people feel comfortable making that step, and I'm saying I'm scared to death of it because I feel that that step over there is God Almighty's place. It's his throne. It's his judgment, and I will not go there. I'm I'm not watering down the truth. I'm not not talking about universal salvation. I'm not talking about all roads lead to heaven. I want to be crystal clear with this. I'm scared to death. Out of reverence of God, to try to sit in his seat on his throne and make judgment calls on people's eternal destinies. But I will talk all day long about people, to people, about Jesus Christ being the way, the truth, and the life. I hope that makes sense. It, it just. Every time I see on TV, when somebody's interviewed on TV, some evangelist or whatever, so you're telling that the people living in this area that have never heard the name of Jesus Christ before, they're going to hell, and that evangelist so many say, Yes. I just scream I just I physically have attacked the TV for it. I said, Would you shut up? Don't say it. How can, how can you do that? That's God's decision you know all right krista you know my wife we're going will you have her come up for the rebuttal i should (laughs) i hope that doesn't isn't confusing i just i'm cautious maybe if you're comfortable with it and you're okay with doing that that's up to you i'm just saying i feel like from scriptures that i can't take that step over here that that's inappropriate for me to but i'll talk to people all day long about jesus christ being the messiah And I don't feel like I'm watering it down. So,
1: I just want to say thank you to everyone uh, who texted your questions. We appreciate that very much. Thank you for
0: sitting through this. Thanks for being here. God bless. Have a wonderful day.
1: We'll continue this
0: next week.